The second reading is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 5 to 18. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God led nothing, left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. But the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. Again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he may break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abram's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. But he, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Our final reading is from John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. 
The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, you made a wonderful sound. Uh, You clapped yourselves. It was great. It was a great moment. And uh, you sounded wonderful. Now, I just, uh, I was talking with somebody the other day, um, and they said to me, um, she was in a shop. She was buying Christmas cards, and there was a lady behind her. And uh, the, the lady was complaining very loudly. And she said, look at these cards. They're even bringing religion into Christmas. And it was a great moment, actually. Was a, well, I'm going to bring religion into Christmas, um, and I'm going to hopefully bring joy into Christmas as well. Um, let me ask you a question. Um, why did you come into the world? Well, it's a daft question, isn't it? You hadn't anything to do with it. It wasn't you. You, you made no decision. It, it was your parents' decision. It was nothing to do with it. It wasn't your choice, was it, why you came into the world? Why did God come into the world? Well, it was his choice, wasn't it? He chose to do it. And I want to think about that. I want to think about why that is. And if you're, um, if you're into crime um, novels, I'm into crime novels, um, I, I kind of enjoy them. And sometimes you know, the, the inspector doesn't know who's done it. And he says, you know, I, I, I'm, what I'm looking for is a motive. I'm looking for a motive. Well, when it comes to why God came into the world, what's the motive? What's God's motive? Why did he do it? Why did God become man? Why did he choose to do it? So we're going to have a little think about that, and we're going to do it um, on the back of your little service sheet. Do you see there is a very unusual reading for Christmas? It's Hebrews 2, um, and I'm just going to pick out just a couple of things from this particular um, from this particular story. And the first point I'm going to say um, is he came to show us our destiny. Now, I'm going to read a few verses from the beginning. Uh, the writer is talking, he says, there is a place, it, it, right at the very beginning, it, it's not to angels that he subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there's a place where someone has testified, what is man that you are mindful of them, son of man that you care for him, You made them a little lower than angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. Now, this is not a reading that you normally come across at Christmas, I say. But if you've ever been to North Wales and you, uh, or or anywhere, the the Lake District, where there are no lights and you look up, you see the stars and you, you sort of think to yourself, who on earth am I? Who am I? I feel so small. 
And we are small in the whole of the, of the whole created universe. We are a tiny dot. And, 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 and that's just our planet. And we're, and on the planet, we're an even smaller tiny dot. And you may say, you know, I'm just insignificant. I've got no place in this world. I, I'm, I'm, nobody thinks I'm important. Who am I? Who am I? And then you read these words. And they're taken from a psalm. We're actually reading the New Testament here. But this little, little quotation is from, a, from an Old Testament psalm in which um, it describes who we are. We were made for a little while lower than the angels, but we'll be crowned with glory and honor. And God will put everything under our feet. And that's who we are meant to be. And we're crowned by who? We're going to be crowned by God. He's going to delight in us. And we are going to delight in him. That's who we are. We've got a huge significance. Uh, It's sometimes hard to believe, isn't it? Um, how significant we are going, we, we, we are in, in God's plan. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And um, there's a little bit, if you've seen the movie, um, at the end, four children, uh, two boys, two girls, and uh, they, they burst into this magical land of Narnia through the wardrobe, and uh, they end up. Uh, fighting a huge battle and they kill the white, the, the white witch and so on and so forth. And then they're crowned. And this little image here is of the four of them. And it's kind of incongruous, isn't it? It's, it's four little children sitting on thrones. And you think to yourself, well, it looks a bit weird. And I think Lewis sort of kind of capturing the kind of craziness of it that human beings in God's plan and purpose have a very significant place. He wants to take you and me and he wants to crown us and invest us with glory and splendor to be the people who we're meant to be and that we might enjoy who God is as well. That's the plan and purpose. It's a wonderful thing. But it is nowhere near what we are at the moment. We're not like that. We're nothing like those glorious creatures. And we're to blame. And I don't know of any other way to say it, and I've been saying it like this over the past uh, two previous carol services. We're like a corrupted disk. If you've ever um, you know, worked with computer disks, sometimes computer disks are corrupted. They just don't work properly. And, and we're like that. We're just not working as we should. And all hope fades of this destiny to be lifted up into some glorious future that I can hardly, you can hardly imagine tonight. You can't, you can't imagine it, can you? I'm struggling to imagine me in this glorious future. Me, corrupted me. How can I possibly be like that? And all hope fades. And then the writer says this. I'll read on. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to people like you and me. We don't see that. But we do see Jesus. Now, why did God become man? Why did 
Why did the Son of God, as it were, become human in Jesus? In seeing Jesus, we see the perfect man, the perfect person. He got it right every time. He lived the life I should have lived. He was strong. He was gentle. He was compassionate. He was firm. He was the man God truly delighted in. And he delighted in God. And it's as if he's gone as a forerunner on our behalf. It's as if he is kind of up there, way ahead, near the top of the mountain, where all the glory is. And we're attached to him like a rope. And he's saying, this is where you're going to be. Just follow me. And this is who you will become. You will become like me. That is the plan. And so God became a human being so that human beings might be invested in that glory. And the first thing we see about Christmas is that actually, in Jesus, why did God become man? We see our destiny. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that you will be a perfect human being living forever. But that's what God wants to make you. Okay, now you think I'm talking fairy tales, don't you? I know you do, but hang on, stay with me. If that's the first thought, here's the second. There's only two thoughts I'm going to give you. You see your destiny to show us our destiny That's one reason why he became man. And secondly, it was to lead us to that place, to lead you to glory. You are not what you should be. Um, Some of you already know that, and some of you have been told that. (laughs) Sometimes my wife tells me that very nicely and gently. You're not what you should be, Steve. (laughs) You're the vicar, and you're behaving like that, you know, etc., etc., So the rest of our verse, the rest of this verse tells us what Jesus did. So there we do see verse 9, we do see Jesus, this is only going to look at a little section, who was made a little lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor. But he's crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. So, he wants to bring us to glory. How is he going to do that? He is going to do that by entering into our very world and our very experience, and he is going to taste death. Now, it seems this was vital because you go on to the next verse and he says, you know, it was fitting, it was right that that God should go through this. That little phrase, it's fitting, is like verse verse 17. For this reason, he had to be made like them. It's the same idea that he had to enter right into our human experience, not just a little bit of it, but the whole deal and go, go, as it were, Get in on the inside to open up a way out of our troubles. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? He had to get in on the inside to be perfectly like you and me 
in order that he could go through it. And what he takes on, as it were, he's going to redeem. He's going to change. He's going to to break a way through death. It's an interesting story, and we don't have time to, to go into it. But he's going to share our flesh and blood. He's not going to be touched by death because he's perfect. And so he's, it's, it's, he's kind, of, kind of pave a way through death so that he can bring you through it uh, to the other side and bring you into glory. And you're saying to me, I don't kind of get that. That's a bit too hard to understand. So I'm going to find another way to explain it to you. To get in on the inside. Do you remember back in June or July, some boys from a football team wandered into a cave? Do you remember that? It's in Thailand, wasn't it? Do you know how far they went in the end? They went 3,000 meters into this cave. That's a long way. And they got themselves into a real pickle. That's a British expression. If you're not British, it means a mess. And they had to be rescued. How were they going to be rescued? Someone, the only way to do it was that somebody had to go in on the inside. And they had to go at the risk of their lives. They were specialist divers. Here's a picture of a, a kind of image of what they had to do. They had to so enter into, um, into that situation. They had to go the same path that the, I mean, we, we don't want to blame the boys, but the foolishness of the boys and, and, and their teacher, you know, they had to enter right into that. And they had to go and get them. And actually, one of the divers actually died in so doing. They went straight through into, right into this experience in order to bring them out again. Do you see? It's exactly as I said. He had to get on the inside to open up a way out of our troubles. Now, uh, the writer puts it like that in verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too choosing to do it, he shared in their humanity so that by his death, I mean, God dying, can you get it? He might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. If you can't understand anything else, see that picture of getting on the inside 3,000 meters. Save those boys and bring them out one by one. Why did God become man? So that we could see what we were meant to be and so that he could get us there. Like those boys, we are in more trouble than we think. Sometimes we can't see our danger. We, not, we might not get it, but can you get that he saw it and he saw how serious it was and so... To get us to that place, that destiny, he had to go to great depths to take us to great heights. That's why he came. There's a little word here, I'm going to finish with this. 
It's the word pioneer. Do you, do you see it in verse 10? It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. And the word pioneer in Greek is an interesting word. It's called, it's archigos. And um, it's used of Hercules. It's used of heroes. And it's used of the old-fashioned word for champion. The older idea of champion, I don't know if you, you know, if you like, watch history and things like that, but the older idea of a champion is somebody who does battle on behalf of somebody else. You know, when they're jousting and so on, and the king says, I'm going to bring my champion out. He's going to do battle for me. Well, this is Jesus. He's our champion. He says, you were made to be crowned with glory and honor, lifted up high above everything, but you're nowhere near that. But I'm going to be the forerunner. I'm going to show you where you're going to be. And then, I'm going to dive down deep and get you and bring you out one by one to get you where you should be. I know this is perhaps a bit new to some of you and you're still trying to get your head around it. But if you can just think, that's what he did for you and he thought it was worth it then maybe you'll begin to think of him as your champion as you realize why God really did become man. It was for you. three.